0: You're listening to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. And today, we are, uh, we're now past the Oscars. Well, probably not like, date-wise when this comes out, but pretty close. And so we're going to talk about another Pixar movie. This will be our third Pixar movie we've talked about on the show. Uh, we're going to talk about Turning Red. Turning Red is a uh, female-centric uh, Pixar movie. I think it might be like their, only their second or third that's like really, that has a um, female main character, but uh, don't definitely don't quote me on that part. It is their first movie to take place uh, specifically in Canada, which is pretty cool, uh, directed by Domi Shi, a Canadian director. And, um, we're going to talk about it. This is a spoiler-free episode. We do, you know, talk about things that happen in the movie, but there there are no spoilers. We were really good about that this time. So, yeah, I hope you uh, enjoy this episode. You are free to listen to it without me telling you to, you know, buzz off ahead of time, which is super—which is, which is really nice. So, um, yeah, please enjoy And you are about to hear a song by Billie Eilish's brother, I think, Phineas. Uh, This is from Turning Red. This is Nobody Like You. This is the main song. This is what it's all about. Here it is.
1: I never met nobody. Like you had friends and i've had buddies it's true but they don't turn my tummy the way you do i've never met nobody like you oh. yeah. you never know on my mind oh my oh my I'm not by your side, your side, your side I'm never gonna let you go
0: call it what it is it's a masterpiece got a whole lot of love for them city streets tonight is the place to be got a big boom box and a new cd come on everybody let's tear it up if you want mad skills you can share with us come come on. On. everybody to stop and stare and you know why it's me Woo. Uh. It's yeah. <laughs> you're listening to another episode of heatwave radio's classic movies live the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. And today, we are going to talk about um this is our we're going to talk about our second or third Pixar movie. I can't no, we did an episode on Soul, so this will be our third Pixar movie. Um with how many Pixar movies there are and how like ubiquitous in culture they are like every single year. I'm kind of surprised this is only our third one.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's i, I mean it, it feels like a lot of has a lot of pixar oh i guess it's cuz they, i they kind of lump into like disney animation to me in my head so it feels like we've seen like so many but in actuality it's it's like half that number if even maybe it's yeah. nice
0: it, it's so like um I've sort of, I've, I mean, I've got my own like personal gripes with Disney animation and the last couple of like 3D ones they put out have been good but it's really sad to me that I think in probably 2012, I think, was the last traditionally animated Disney animated movie mm-hmm. um, whenever Winnie the Pooh was and like, I have enjoyed thoroughly, like, Tangled and Moana and um, Raya and the Last Dragon but like they're they're also 3d animation They're sometimes they like air a little bit close to pixar's style of animation but it used to be that like disney and pixar were very easy to differentiate just because pixar was 3d animation and disney was 2d animation and um it's a little sad that disney isn't 2d animation anymore because they were like a big powerhouse in that market and now there's just not that much there still is 2D animation, but we've lost, like, the biggest 2D animation studio.
1: Yeah, well, I think a, a big part of Disney deciding to to move into a new era was was just updating their technologies. Because, like, they, they did have, like, that series of flops with 2D animation in the early 2000s. Um, it's true. Because they refused to adapt. And I think, like, after after all that, they were just like, we, we really do need to switch it up. Um, Which I think, in in my opinion, was the right move in the end. I do miss 2D animation, but I think that was in an era where 3D animation hadn't yet, like, reached its peak. Um, And it's just where the Mm -hmm. culture was. Um, And it's really cool. I think we are seeing, like, kind of a resurgence of... Kind of a mix of 3D and 2D now that, like... I feel like the, like, 3D... the The tech for 3D has, like... Like, you can make really realistic stuff. Um... And, like, they, it seems like they solved most of the issues. So, like, now they're trying to find more creative ways of telling stories rather than just straight up how good can we make the animation, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I don't. I think we've only talked... I don't know if we've ever talked about a Lord and Miller movie on this, but, like, Lord and Miller are really, really good, big in that. And yeah. doing really great stuff in that department.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I, I feel like they're going to... Well, potentially, if they choose to stick with any with animated movies, they'll see a lot of success in the future, for mm-hmm. sure. So, um, but yeah, so I don't know. Pic- Pixar has been kind of a kind of a weird spot lately too, with the it feels like they've been kind of put on the back burner with like um, all their all their re- recent releases being moved on to Disney Plus. Um, I mean, dis the Disney animated movies were as well, but I feel like the both studios as a whole are kind of even though they they make a lot of money have been have are almost seen as kind of secondary to to marvel and star wars now or i guess just marvel now
0: i don't even know if that's entire well like um yeah but i don't think that uh i gotta push back on that um thing you just said about the disney movie disney animated movies being put straight to streaming because like uh, Encanto and Raya and the Last... Okay, Raya and the Last Dragon was straight to streaming, but Encanto did go into theaters for quite a while before it went to oh, streaming.
1: Oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. I, I saw it in theaters. <laughs> I <forgot. But> yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Um, so, yeah, I-, I guess that just makes you wonder why, because, I mean, Encanto didn't really... Maybe it's because it was a musical, so they-, they felt like it might have a higher chance of success uh, in the box office because of rewatchability.
0: I mean, maybe. Maybe it has more bankable stars because they've got Stephanie Beatriz in there. And I don't know if anyone... Well, no, they've got Billie Eilish and Phineas in this one, so I don't know.
1: Yeah, it it is really confusing. Um, And it's almost like a... In my opinion, it kind of feels like a slap in the face to Pixar just based on... It definitely does. You know, I I feel like uh, Pixar... Well, Pixar's the one that really made Disney... (laughs) animation the way it is um and to have yeah. them to have them kind of be overlooked again even though um in my opinion like i i, I think Encanto wasn't that great of a movie and turning red was quite quite good um you know it, it does feel a little lopsided but who knows i I'm, I'm sure disney knows what they're doing in terms of making money so that's i trust them in that <laughs> and that they made the right decision in that way.
0: So even if all the Disney animated movies that came out in theaters is are exclusively in Kanto, even if that's the only one, it still feels like massive favoritism on Disney's part just because this is now the third Pixar movie to come out after Luca and Soul without a theatrical release. And kind of the fourth because Onward had an extremely limited theatrical release because it was only in theaters for about a week before there were no more theaters. Yeah, I do know a couple of people who saw this in theaters because this actually premiered in Toronto because this is a movie set in Toronto.
1: Oh, well that's kind of that's actually kind of cute. Um, I guess it's like a, a way of honoring because I know the the. F- the filmmaker or the director is was from Toronto, right, or is from Toronto? Um, yeah, grew up in Toronto. So that might be like maybe she got to watch it with her family in theaters, maybe some of her friends. So that's nice. Um, it yeah. is a it, and like well, I guess we'll talk about it later. But it is very. I, I never, I never thought of a movie like bringing so much Toronto culture <laughs> into it. I guess, but like it felt very Toronto. Um, yeah, so that's really nice.
0: Well, cause like even the last movie that we talked about that was very, that was technically very Toronto-y like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World takes place in Toronto. It is very Canadian, almost aggressively so. And yet it still, it still doesn't feel, I don't know, It's it's not like Toronto isn't thrown in your face every minute. And like, it kind of is in Turning Red, but not in a bad way, I wouldn't say.
1: Yeah, it's it. In a lot of ways, it felt like it was celebrating tr- Canadian culture, which I never thought of. Um, like, because <laughs> I, I don't, I can't. It's tough for me, I guess, as a Canadian, to know like what our culture seems like to other people, um, mm-hmm. or even to ourselves. I don't know, but but yeah, it, this is it's kind of a recurring theme, I think, with Pixar's. Uh, Pixar has been, or Pixar and Disney, I guess, have been. Uh, Trying to, di- to diversify their their film filmmaking crews, which uh, also means diversifying where their movies come from, and I think they've been using that. They've been taking a lot of inspiration from different cultures to inspire their latest movies. If you look at, uh, well, if you look at Encanto, if you look at Luca, if you look at Coco, um, honestly, even movie. if you look at
0: Soul, because I know that Soul is. I mean, Seoul takes place in New York and it's not like it's introducing people in America to a very foreign culture, but it is very rooted in like specifically New York and then also jazz and um, a little bit of African-American culture just in that area. So like Disney does do, well, Disney Disney and Pixar, I guess in this case, yeah, Disney and Pixar do like a lot of world building in and like they put a lot of they put a lot of care into making sure that whatever they're depicting is depicted well and i don't know if it always is but like they're definitely putting a lot of effort into that aspect of their movies
1: yeah i remember stuff like reading about how uh like they've been doing it for a while like with ratatouille they would they flew out their animators to to france for like i think a couple weeks just to literally just hang out and eat and like look for inspiration and the styles of France and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, that, that stuff isn't cheap. So like, they, they mm-hmm. do really, they do really care about getting an accurate, um, I guess an accurate look at, at the culture they are adapting into films so that they, they honor, um, you know, the people whose culture they're, they're uh, using. So, which I, I, I think is really cool.
0: Um, Yeah. And I think that's really important because like, I mean, this is an extremely tiny example, but I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Yes Man uh, with Jim Carrey and Zoe Deschanel. uh, It's like, okay. Yeah. Uh, There's a scene in that where they go to Lincoln, Nebraska, which is where I'm from. And like in Lincoln, Nebraska, like they, they show the Lincoln, Nebraska airport. And it is specifically not the Lincoln, Nebraska airport. In fact, I think it might be a terminal in the Chicago airport. And I am very familiar with both of those airports. So I was like, oh, this is just wrong. And it immediately takes me out of the movie. And like, it's yes, man. It's not a movie that you need to be super invested in anyway. But like, (laughs) imagine that a movie is like depicting... Like, imagine that you're from, I don't know, Colombia, and a movie is depicting Colombia, but nothing about the movie is Colombian. That would take you super out of it. And, I mean, I have one Colombian friend who watched Encanto and felt like that was a good representation of Colombia. So, like, it's important to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think it's, uh like, that's... I think that's an advantage with uh, animation, too, is that, like, you know, for a movie like Yes Man if they actually wanted to film at the Nebraska airport, there's a lot of things to consider. Like, like, does it fit in the schedule of the shoot? Does it, are, are do they allow shooting at the Nebraska airport? Yeah. Um, stuff like that, right? Like, whereas animation, like animating, well, I'm just gonna use airports as an example again, but like animating two airports, like doesn't really change the budget. So they could, they can more faithfully adapt whatever they want. Because like it wouldn't really cost much difference, so they would just have to look. They would just have to maybe hang out there for a bit to like make sure they get it. So, um, yeah, I I think that's a cool advantage of animation and why I guess movies like these do really work for Pixar and Disney, at least so far. Um, And uh, yeah, and I would say it, it worked really well for Turning Red, in my opinion. Um, yeah,
0: and, like, I know we've mentioned the name a bunch now, but just in case anyone was still unclear, we are about to talk about Turning Red, the yeah. new Pixar movie that dropped, at this point, I think it's, like, a week ago as of this recording, maybe a little more than that? Yeah,
1: last, oh, well, yeah, nine days, I guess. Um, yeah, uh, do, do you want to tell us a bit about the movie, guys?
0: So, uh Turning Red is about a girl named Mei Lin who lives in Toronto and she is her family runs a shrine. I think it's the Lee family shrine. I can't remember their last name. I think it's Lee. Um anyway, they run a shrine in Toronto. And, um, around the, and this movie all takes place when she's about 13. So like she's going through puberty and, um, she finds out that all of the girls in her family, uh, can turn into giant red pandas or like, I, I mean, I guess giant red pandas cause red pandas are usually very small, but like giant red pandas when they feel strong emotions, and, like, those emotions can be anything. But, like, if they get too emotional in any way, they can they turn into a giant red panda. And so she has to deal with this um, while also, you know, just being at high school. And more importantly, uh, there is about to be a concert by a boy band that's kind of like an NSYNC stand-in. Uh, they are, I can't remember, they're four, called Four Town. And she really wants to go to this four town concert with her friends, but her mom doesn't want her to. So she has to like figure out how to go to this concert while also juggling the fact that she can accidentally turn into a giant red panda uh, on a whim. And it's all about her like coming to terms with both of those things. And most importantly, getting to see a cute boy band.
1: <laughs> yeah. it uh, I if like funnily enough it really it actually like even though it's like a, a 2002 throwback movie it actually still feels very uh similar to today like because I, I kept I kept seeing the boy band stuff and it made me think of BTS and like um like my sister's a really big BTS fan right now and, and like the, it was like the exact same like kind of reactions to to uh I guess boy bands in general um I don't know if they were a thing in like the 2010s. But or like early 2010s, late 2000s, um, and it was like a phase that died out, and, and it's just coming back now. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting plot point for sure.
0: <laughs> I do. Uh, I, I heard an interview. Do you? Um, are you familiar with the director of this movie at all, uh, Domi Shi? Uh,
1: I just know she did the bow um, short. Yeah,
0: I think right. I think that's her only other directing credit. But she's been at Pixar for a while. Um, she is the first. Uh, she's the first woman at Pixar to solo direct a movie, which is pretty cool. Um, but I heard her talk about it on um, on an interview, and she said, yeah, I didn't want to make the stakes of this movie like she has to save the world or anything. I thought it would be really cool if, you know, she just has to go to a boy band concert. That's the most important thing in her in her life because she's 13. Of course, it's going to be the most important thing in her life
1: yeah it makes sense it's a i mean it, it does get a little maybe not save the worldy at the end but you know it it gets it gets a little dramatic at the end i guess the, um, the stakes
0: of this movie end up being more than go to the concert but like yes. i do appreciate that it's not it, it's never it, it never is save the world tier stakes if that makes sense
1: yeah i get it um it is true. Like I, I don't. I don't think that really like affected the world, if that makes sense. Like in a danger mm-hmm. way. But it's a Pixar movie. They're not going to be like the world's going to be destroyed or anything. Oh, for uh, sure. This doesn't happen. So, um, well, I don't know.
0: Maybe Lightyear has a world-ending threat. But oh yeah, Hulk maybe. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, no. It, it was. It's an interesting like uh, way to look at a. It's like a, like a interesting coming-of-age movie. I, I also like. I really appreciate how. Um even though Bixar is being really progressive lately i I've, i I can't remember the last time I've seen a movie that actually has like a full fully female cast basically um, mm-hmm. and it didn't feel like like i I remember like you know there have been movies that have very prominently like advertised the fact that they have a fully female cast um, especially in these like high budget movies but this this felt very like naturally like um oh we have a full cast of women and it wasn't like shoved in your face at all if that makes sense like it felt very natural I like
0: <laughs> well i mean somewhat cynically like yeah i never heard it advertised like that but that's also because this movie has like zero names in it there's oh, like two uh, big yeah. names
1: yeah yeah that might be <laughs> that's part of it too yeah um, um which but,
0: which is another thing i really appreciate because i remember way back like Pixar was probably one of the ones at the forefront of casting big name actors in their animated movies because, you know, they started right out the gate with Tim Allen and Tom Hanks. But, um, I think it's, I think that like, it, it feels like a lot of, uh, Animated movies go out of their way to cast like big name actors and not actually care whether or not they're any good at voice acting. It's just like we got Matthew McConaughey, and it's like, is Matthew McConaughey a good voice actor? It doesn't matter. We got him.
1: Yeah. But
0: like in this movie, they in this movie there's no names and like uh, like there's no huge name A list Hollywood stars, which um, means that they clearly just cast people for their abilities. And I really like that in voice acting, because I feel like there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of voice actors who get a lot of work, but don't get appreciated to the level that they really should, because like voice acting is super hard. And, you know, someone like Tara Strong uh, is not a name like she's she's not a huge name except in the voice acting community. And she really should be because she does like such good work. But also she's not in this movie, so she's not specifically relevant to this point but still.
1: Mm. Yeah. I, uh, I, I do really like, a, like, I, I don't, it's like, Pixar as a brand is strong enough to not need uh big voice actors. Like, um, I mean, it's really nice, like, to have like great voice actors in their movies. Like, I, I, I thought Amy Poehler, like amazing in Inside Out, even though she's not like a huge <laughs> name or anything. Um, or Jamie Foxx and yeah. Soul was amazing too, right? But like, I wouldn't say like, I think if the movie's the, like, the movie's a good enough selling point for me. And, uh, once Mm -hmm. I feel like once you get into it, it doesn't make that much of a difference, I guess. Um, and I thought it worked pretty well in this movie. I, I I wouldn't say there was like any roles that I loved, loved. Um, there was one I didn't really, I I feel really bad for this actress. I, what's her name? She was in Shang-Chi too. She plays the grandma. Um...
0: Um, No, that was that is not the person who was in Shang Chi. I think because really, their voices played, sounded really similar. I know. I had to look it up too. I think so. The one that I was thinking of, and maybe the one that you were thinking of as well, was Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. But the person who was in this movie was actually um, I am not able to find her right now. Oh uh she was from she was in the movie daredevil or not in the movie she was in the series daredevil um she was played by
1: oh yeah you're right sure.
0: uh White ching ho
1: oh okay uh well no, i feel bad about saying that <laughs> because i th- i thought when i heard i when i heard that voice i thought of michelle michelle yo and it really stuck out to me and i didn't like it that much um, because she also played a, as, like, a similar, like, she played the grandma, what was it, Grandma Crazy Rich Asians, right? Yes. I want to say, and I, yeah, so I, I felt like that was, like, I was, like, oh, my God, like, same role again, kind of. Um, yeah, anyways, um, overall, I, I thought the voice acting was pretty good, Uh, but what, mm-hmm. what did you think, what did you think of, like, the general, like, plot, I guess, in the emotional um.
0: I thought it was great. Like I, I tend to like these slice of life type move. Like I tend to like slice of life type movies anyway, and I really liked the. I really liked this one. Um, you know, being about uh, a young girl that's like just sneaking around behind her parents' back, doing just being rebellious, but in like in in a way that. Um, it's kind of funny because, like, she's not being rebellious by doing anything super bad. She's just being rebellious by, like, having fun without her parents knowing. Like, she, she, um, what happens is she finds out that she can control how to turn into a red. She, early on, she, like, masters, uh, she, like, gets control over when she turns into a red panda and when she doesn't. So she just, like, uses that to, um, take pictures with kids and raise money so she can go to this concert. But like, she's still a huge nerd. So she's always like trying to raise more money and like mathing out exactly how much they need to do, how much work they need to do at any given time. And like, I really, I, I really appreciated that. Cause like, you know, I get super, uh, I, I get super like into, I, I, I get like super workaholic about stuff like this too. So I, I thought that was kind of cool to see someone who, you know, she's not actually Breaking Bad. She's just uh, doing something that she decides she's passionate about, and then takes it way too far. And like, yeah, like I, I thought that was cool,
1: like teenagers usually do. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it was a it was a really fun way of kind of. I mean, it, it, it it's I guess obviously it's that's the point of the movie, but yeah, it's a fun metaphor for. For exaggerating the, what what I guess the process of puberty and uh, and also like kind of growing up and like seeking out who you want to be um, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So yeah, it it was a, uh, I mean maybe like I one one problem I kind of have with with this kind of plot though is just, is just like um, I feel like a lot of movies related <laughs> with related to Asians if that makes sense are focused around how the the child is disappointing their family if that makes sense mm-hmm. um and I feel like like obviously it's like made by an Asian filmmaker and like so this isn't like um but it like it's a very it's a personal story and stuff but I'm I guess I'm kind of getting uh it, it's it's a little it feels a little derivative, if that makes sense. Um, even though I thought it was told very well. Like I I, I feel I saw the same thing with like crazy rich Asians. I feel like that other movie with Aquafina had very similar themes. Um The Farewell. Mm-hmm. Um there's another one recently, I'm trying to remember it. Oh, I guess Shang-Chi, right? <laughs> Shang-Chi's yeah. kind of the same thing too, yeah. And it's just like a little like, come on, like I I think like for me, I guess, like, I, I would love to see the, like, an, a- an Asian movie with a full cast of Asians that didn't involve, like, that was a normal, like, uh, a plot that didn't involve Asian heritage and, like, how how you need to make up for your family, if that makes sense. Uh, or, like, learning I mean... how to separate from your family. Like, I guess, I get it's very personal for a lot of, especially, like, Asians grow- that grew up in America or Canada.
0: Well, I think that's exactly it because like, it's not that this is, I don't know that that's like, obviously that may or may not be like a very Asian story. I haven't, I I don't have that experience, but more importantly, all of the things that you mentioned were stories about Asian Americans or Asian Canadians, or I guess to summarize, even like to generalize as far as I can, Asian immigrants. So like, um, when you're talking about Asian immigrant families, like that's an important part is like, at what point, like a lot of the, um, a lot of the Asian immigrant experience there is these, uh, like the main characters are usually either first generation born in the new place, or they're like, you know, they came over as, as kids, so they don't have that culture and their parents do. So like, that's, you know, th- that connection is directly there. That's why that story gets told. And yeah, I get it. It's one that gets told like a lot more than uh, not, not even a lot more, but just like a lot. And I've seen, and we've, I've seen it a lot, but I think that's why is cause it's a, it's just, th- that's the Asian American experience or an Asian American experience. And like, it's hard enough in Hollywood to sell an Asian American led movie. And that's just the one that gets greenlit, I guess.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess it's also just like, um, filmmakers want to tell personal stories. and yeah. Uh, that that's like a very personal story, especially cause I feel like Asian filmmakers, especially that grew up in America, like had to deal like a lot with a lot of conflict with their parents. Um, mm-hmm. so Anyways, um, but actually,
0: if I can very briefly do a secret tip of the day, Uh, if you are interested in an Asian story that's not specifically about like someone's relationship with their parents, but like also tackles an interesting facet of an Asian culture that like is not something you would see in an Asian American led movie, that's a that's a that's a big you know. If you are interested if, in,
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot of,
0: <laughs> but but um, the movie that I want to recommend is Lunana, a Yak in the Classroom. It is a Bhutanese movie, which is which has like it's got like a lot of interesting uh, cultural commentary on like or social commentary on Bhutanese culture, and also like it's not it's a very different story from an Asian American story. Which I think is, you know, it's because it's about someone who wants to leave the country instead of someone who, like, just came into the country. So it's, like, the opposite of the immigrant experience.
1: Ooh, okay, that's cool.
0: Anyway, that's one that I would definitely recommend, but I'm not going to say too much more about it because we got to get back to turning red.
1: Yeah. Um. What, what did you like about the movie? Or dislike? Um, you have any thoughts on that?
0: I mean, I didn't dislike very much. I thought this, this might be, I personally think this is my favorite Pixar movie since up. Like I really, oh, wow. really liked it. Um, I thought it was like, it was, it was a story that I found that like, to me, it, it was, it was, I found it at least somewhat relatable as much as I as a 30 year old man can uh, relate to a prepubescent girl. So like, obviously not super, not, not like a hundred percent, but there was like enough in there that I thought was relatable. So I thought that was really cool. The world was really fleshed out and like a lot of, had a lot of stuff in it. I thought that the, I thought that the metaphor of turning into a giant red panda was really clever, actually, um, is pretty obvious, but I did think it was like, I thought it was pretty clever of how they worked that out.
1: Mm. Um, yeah that's 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 fair uh
0: yeah because like beyond the obvious metaphor uh like i um as a giant red panda she like wakes up one day and she can't like and she's just like hitting things that she she has her her spatial like uh what am i trying to say Her spatial awareness is all thrown out of whack because she's a completely different shape than she's used to, which I think is a, uh, you know, an interesting way of showing a problem that I as a uh, young man never had to deal with. But I'm sure that every single girl has to probably deal with around puberty. Um, Anyway, that was cool. Uh, And then I liked the I really liked the boy band in this. I thought they were super cheesy, but also like the song was so catchy. I really hope that that it it would be an early pick for me for um, best original song at next year's Oscars for Mm. sure.
1: I I can't remember the song personally, but I did like they they did. They did really cheese it up with the, the 2000s boy band, and I really liked it, especially with like. They, they do play kind of a, a, a role in the movie like um, there, not, not like the characters without, themselves, I guess.
0: Without spoiling too much, there is a scene in the movie where they bring in an old Chinese shaman and he's like, "Oh yeah, for this ritual you just have to sing from your heart. You know I like these songs but but these but, but your, your grandma and uh, your family's a lot more traditionalist so you know they, they do the chanting. But then as soon as they said, sing from your heart, I'm like, this is going to come back and everyone's going to sing the boy band song. Yeah. I don't know exactly yeah. how it's going to happen, but that's going to be an important point.
1: Yeah. And I, I think I thought it worked pretty well. Yeah. Um, I, I was, was very impressed
0: at how that wor- <laughs> at how that ended up coming back.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then like the, I, I'd say one, one, um, I, I really liked how the, like, I, I thought it kind of hit the emotional moments, like, decently well too. I think that's something Pixar's had a little trouble with lately, with, at least with Luca and Onward. I think there it, it was, like, a lot of emotional buildup, and it, it didn't really feel like it paid off very well, and I think this one did, like, the relationship between the mom and the daughter mm-hmm. uh, and the grandparents had, like, a pretty solid ending to it, like, wrap-up to it. Um that I that I really felt. Um it it could have been maybe done better in some ways, but like because I, I wish there was maybe more of a relationship between like the grandma kind of comes in and I, I thought she'd have more of a like a bigger role, but she felt more kind of like a more of a plot um how do I say this? She she felt more like a plot device in, in terms of uh how she scares the mom, if that makes sense, rather than like, an a- having an actual relationship with any of the characters. Um, mm-hmm. Which I'm a little disappointed by, but, um, <clears throat> for the most part, like, I think it's a, it, it, it really sold, sold those moments to me. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Oh, one thing I did want to say, I didn't like the side characters very much. I thought, I thought, I thought it was a little actually. Well, okay. Well, what did you think about the humor? Actually, I th- I think that's kind of an interesting thing to touch on. Um, um I mean, I thinking? remember
0: thinking it was. I remember thinking it was fine. Uh, but the thing is, too, I actually don't remember like any specific jokes. So there weren't that many that stuck with me. But I mm. I didn't I didn't dislike it for okay. sure.
1: I just I remember thinking the it was. Just very uh, the the jokes weren't really spaced out enough, and like it was very one after another. And it wasn't like subtle humor; like a lot of it was like very in your face mm-hmm. uh, humor, which was a little like I I thought that kind of detracted from the movie. Um, it, it just felt like it constantly wanted me to laugh, and some of them didn't hit. Like I because I, I think the movie comes in with a lot of energy, and I love that mm-hmm. for like the first ten minutes, right? But it actually keeps that energy for, like, the whole movie, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it does get kind of uh, tiring after a while, I'd say.
0: It, it does become um, a lot. <laughs>
1: yeah. And uh, once you get kind of the end of the movie, it, it's it's kind of overdone. And I, I think that kind of ties in with the side characters who aren't really well-developed, but the, I, I feel like a lot of them are more, like, there to make some weird jokes that I don't really think paid off. Um. Like, I, I think, like, one of, like, Pixar, some of their greatest, like, Toy Story, for example, like, obviously the relationship between Buzz and Woody is, like, the most important part, but, like, what really rounds out the movie is the hilarious side characters that that are around Woody and Buzz the whole time, right? That's what makes it Toy Story, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like in this, this movie, like, the side characters, even though they were really important to the plot, I actually, like, I, I couldn't really tell you, like, who they who they really were and like what hurt like like what like their what they felt about stuff if that makes sense like I I don't I only see them as uh the main character loves them and I couldn't really tell you much else about them. Um, I feel
0: like there's one who really stands out, but that's a that's kind of it. Um, I can't remember her name either. It starts with an M. Um. Her her tall friend.
1: Oh, see, I <laughs> that's the one I don't remember at all. Like, I,
0: oh, really? Okay. Yeah,
1: I just remember she she's the one that takes care of like the tomodachi, right? I think.
0: Um. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um. See, so yeah, I, I I that's all I remember from her character. I couldn't tell you anything else. Um. See, so yeah that that's probably like a little. I I wish there was more development there. Um. That would have been mm-hmm. nice. Uh, but yeah, um Arna, do you have any other other thoughts?
0: No, not really. I think I've said pretty much everything I need to say about this. But I would say, like, if you haven't, if you've made, if you're listening to this and you've made it to the end and you haven't seen Turning Red, I would absolutely recommend it. Uh, personally, I would give this like an eight out of ten. So far, it is my favorite movie of the year. Although the, the year is still in its infancy, so we'll see if that stays <laughs> the same. But
1: yeah. Um, I'd say this is like, yeah, probably an eight for me too. Uh, Really, really solid. Um, And uh, with some fine tuning, it it could have been a lot better. But like, uh, I still think this is like a really fine effort. And I think like, probably, yeah, one of the better, one of the better Pixar movies for a while. Maybe, well, obviously, I think Soul was really good. So other than Soul, (laughs) the best one since like, I don't know, maybe Inside Out. Mm -hmm. Or or Coco. I don't know. Coco, I'm still not sure if I like that movie or not. It's very confusing. Um, (laughs) Yeah, anyways.
0: Well, um, the last thing I want to say is if you are listening to this on the day it comes out, uh, Pierre and I are hosting an award show on this coming Saturday at, uh, I think it's 7 7 p.m. EST. I think it's 4 p.m. PST. And uh, you should check that out. There's more information on AODR.net. Hopefully when this comes out, I will have a specific link straight to the video because it will be a live stream. So I will put it in the description. But uh, yeah, you should check that out because it's going to be really fun. Very cool. And we will be back with another episode at some point, but uh, I'm not sure if that'll be next week or if that'll be like a week from now for the for the moment uh this is going to be the last one for this week oh no no oh, no we we didn't miss the last word pierre
1: what is it oh it's uh <laughs> the panda